As creative expression grew, so did the problems in the class. There seems to be no way to avoid the necessary release of anger and hostility that goes with the growth of creative expression and self-awareness. One incident from this period took place on a Friday. The student was going to be leaving the school for good and moving in with his father. He didn't want to go to school the week before he left, but his mother told him he had to go. So, as far as he was concerned, there was only one way out get suspended. Thus, he walked into my classroom and asked me to send him to the office, saying that I caught him smoking. I didn't get it at first, but when I did, I told him that the principal might find it strange that I was sending someone to the office for the first time, and if he thought about it, he would probably figure out what was happening. The boy then left the class, lit up a cigarette in the hallway, and proceeded to walk all the way down the hall and back, smoking it. Incredibly, no one reported him. I think that any teacher who saw him probably thought that he was seeing things and ignored the incident. The frustrated boy came back into the class. Another student suggested that he simply stand up in the middle of his next class and curse the teacher, Mr. Bean. He rejected that. I don't want to spend the rest of my life trying to get Bean's foot out of my ass, he said. I just want to get suspended. When I went into the other room, we had both of them that day, he turned on the intercom and started screening, screaming at the office. I'm not sure what he said. At any rate, the principal was soon there and demanded to know who had called the office. The boy almost chickened out. Finally, he said, well, I pushed that switch, if that's what you mean. What do you think that switch does, Mr. Avoidum asked in an animated staccato. At that point, I told Mr. Avoidum that the boy had been causing problems, and if he wanted to take him, he could. He did take the boy, and I heard no more about him that day. In case you're wondering, Mr. Avoidum didn't suspend him. He must have known what was going on, but my nerves were shot for the day. In spite of such incidents, we were doing things in class. We put out a magazine of writing by the class. We discussed Neil's freedom, not license, in some of the classes. They pick what they wanted to discuss from the table of contents. The most common choices were cursing, homework. Once I gave the students a form to fill out and said that the first one to do the form correctly would get a free magazine. The form began with the instruction to read it carefully first. Then there were six or seven more instructions, such as fold this paper, underline the first sentence, tear off the top corner. These were followed by a final instruction. Ignore all the previous instructions. <laughs> I have a stack of folded and torn papers and a group of students who may read more carefully. <laughs> Another sheet I gave them was called Important Test. It contained questions such as, what color did I paint the bathroom on Saturday? <laughs> the most common answer was, crap brown. Wasn't even one of the choices. After that, they asked for more tests. I was no longer enjoying class. I thought some good things had happened, but I didn't know how much further we could go. 
I was beginning to feel that while some anger was being released and dissipated, more was being built up every day in, the, in, in other school and home situations. For example, the poetry writing boy I mentioned earlier had by then written 56 free verse poems, each better than the last. His teacher noted an improvement in his class writing and class participation, but his grade went from B to D this quarter because he handed, hadn't handed in all his assignments. But more than that, I was feeling that some of the self-discipline that should have developed hadn't because we could never meet as a group to discuss the depth of problems which came up. So I decided to ask the principal for permission to assemble my whole group since the last quarter was coming up. He agreed. We had a meeting two days later. I expected it to be a pretty wild meeting for a number of reasons. All 30 students had never met together before. It would seem threatening to a number of them and they would begin to realize they were involved. The time for the meeting came. Students filed in and sat down. It was noisy and the atmosphere was uneasy. uneasy. Softly, I asked for quiet. It didn't come right away. I waited. I said we had a lot to accomplish in a little time. There was still great animation. I asked how many felt that the program had helped them in their schoolwork. About half felt it had. I asked how many felt it hadn't. About five said it hadn't. The rest abstained. I asked how many felt they had learned something significant by being in the program. All felt they had. Then we began to get into behavior problems. I noted that some members of the group had indicated that they were ready to go to a more disciplined and serious work, and that others who were not at this point were making it difficult for them. We started to talk about this, but the noise increased. One of the group was behaving as he did in most classes, shooting rubber bands, bouncing a super ball, chattering, and so on. He was, un he was an unhappy boy whom nobody ever paid any attention to, so he would get it by little annoyances and witticisms in the back of the classroom. Meanwhile, I was still talking without raising my voice, pointing out that we still had a lot to accomplish and time was growing short. Suddenly, another boy flew across the room at the kid with the Super Bowl and knocked him out of his chair. The Super Bowl kid got up angrily and started knocking over chairs and throwing things, yelling, F*** you, at the top of his lungs. It was the first time I'd ever seen this tense, angry boy unhappy, uh, this tense, angry, unhappy boy explode. It was about time. The rest of the meeting dealt with that particular blow-up and then with the broader issue of how such things are resolved. They voted that such problems would be resolved by each individual class by democratic vote. So, decision-making power was given to each class by the group as a whole. That power included the power to suspend a boy temporarily or permanently from the program if it was adjudged by the majority that he was seriously disturbing the group. Immediately, items were placed on the agenda. So much happened, so fast, I could hardly comprehend the interactions and changes. The next day, there were about 10 meetings, mostly concerning individual complaints. The boy who threw the, threw the Super Bowl complained that another class member had broken it. A meeting was held. It was a loud meeting, but it stuck to the issue. 
there were a number of proposals, including suspending the first boy for a day for throwing the ball in the first place, making the boy who broke the ball pay for it, and others in between. In the end, they decided to drop the matter with no action, since both boys were at fault. Through all these meetings, there was a great deal of self-searching going on. Patterns of behavior became painfully clear to various people. One bully talked about the fact that he used to be a skinny kid whom the bigger boys beat up. The Super Bowl boy talked about how unhappy he was with his life, and others listened for the first time. Then, of course, I was told that Mr. Avoidum wanted to see me in the office. Other classes all around us had been complaining about noise. Mr. Avoidum told me about the complaints and said that he was quite disturbed. He asked me what had happened, and I tried to explain. I told him about the meetings, and he said that the students didn't have the right to make such decisions. Then he asked me, what are you teaching? I told him about the writing that was going on, the magazine books that, and books that had been brought, and some of the discussions we had. Then he said he had been in my room the previous night and gone through my books and magazines and had found one that was very disturbing. He said that I should use better judgment than to have a book like that with that kind of group. I asked him what book he could possibly be referring to. The book, he said, was an anthropology book, Coming of Age in Samoa by Margaret Mead. I was a bit surprised. I hadn't thought the school was quite that backward. Soon it was time for the school to be evaluated for accreditation purposes. A group of 20 educators descended upon the school for three days. The staff had been preparing for this visit for a long time. And the first few days before were full of feverish activity, rearranging, cleaning, painting, and scrubbing. I was told that we would be moved to the conference room downstairs for those three days, and I should have a lesson plan. Then on top of it all, they issued a sheet of complex instructions, the last item of which told us to act naturally. I had always thought that they had a curious definition of natural, but this confirmed it. The days of the evaluation were a waste for us in our unfamiliar environment, so close to the office. We had to be prepared for constant interruptions. An evaluator would come into the room and the conversation would stop dead. Just go on with what you were doing, he or she would say. Sure, we'd say, trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> One student suggested a signal code that would cause each of us to take battle stations and start conversations on pronouns or something. Finally, we had a vacation week. During the first part of the week, I went to the state capitol to, to visit some friends in the Department of Education. I discovered that the reports from the evaluation team had been filed and they were glowing. This didn't surprise me, but I found it somewhat ironic since there are a number of people in the department who seem to understand and accept my point of view, yet relatively speaking, my high school is probably one of the best in the state. That's the frightening things. <laughs> Cow Valley uh, High School was noted for its wonderful program of independent study. That independent study was for eight honor students who would pursue it above and beyond being responsible for their regular curriculum, all papers and tests. The report also included praise for separating all students into different ability groups. 
I remember that one of the things the superintendent told me about this school was that they didn't artificially divide students into the usual college, general, and vocational groups. Quite true. They divided them artificially into groups called one, two, three, and four. That is known as a change in form, but not essence. It was spring and for the first time getting warm. The room felt more and more like a prison. Of course, the school doesn't allow classes to be held outside. I showed some of my students' writings to the creative writing teacher. She was very impressed. I told her about some of our problems with administration. Don't they understand it all, she asked, shrugging her shoulders in a what-can-you-do-or-say way. But she was determined to get some of my students into her creative writing class next year, although they usually take only those with high grades. I no longer was noticing great personality changes. I began to feel like we were just treading water until the, until the year would be over in a month or so. I thought I was approaching the limit of what I could do in that public school the way it was. One weekend, a friend of, uh, and I visited a school based on Summerhill School in England. I used to intern there. It was wonderful to see the place again, but my friend, although he had read Summerhill, was not prepared for what he saw. After walking in on their regular meeting and watching a 10-year-old run it skillfully while sitting on a staff member's lap, my friend had to go outside and sit for a while to collect his thoughts. The impact on him was incredible, and afterwards he said he now understood so much more about kids and felt he couldn't communicate his experience of that place to anyone who hadn't experienced it. I knew exactly what he meant. I had felt that way ever since I had worked there, but after leaving the school, I was more depressed than before, realizing that my students would never reach that degree of creativity and self-regulation self those children had. The administration was beginning to crack down again. A number of my students were caught trying to sneak into my class at times when they weren't scheduled. One boy reported to me that he was grilled by Mr. Avoidum. What did you say to him? Well, we do some writing, we do reading in Mr. Mintz's class, he answered carefully. Then he forgot and added, and Jerry and I have been working on a study of delinquency. <laughs> I guess the sentence was self-correcting. <laughs> I've been referred to as Jerry, but in, the, in reference to a study, the administration would have considered impossible for the 10th grader, so there was apparently no comment. But a couple of days ago, I was asked to write up exact lists of which students came to my class during which periods because, Mr. Bullfrog quoted Mr. Avoidum, some students have been going there more than their allotted time. <laughs> Mr. Avoidum zeroed in on our room again to complain about noise. We were in the middle of a hot discussion about why people fight, what courage is, and what a coward is. When I talked to Mr. Bullfrog, he said that Mr. Avoidum also complained that some of the students were sitting on desks when he came in. Apparently, there was another complaint, this time about students horsing around in our back room. It was lodged by a teacher who saw it from the parking lot. <laughs> I thought we were safe there, but I guess not. It was different enough, difficult enough to cope with the kids I had. In addition, I was not getting support from anyone at the school and all the feedback was negative. 
I felt like running out the door and going somewhere, what I would do was appreciated, but I didn't run. There were about 30 people in the school who were beginning to understand what was happening in our class. The thought, was fin- the, the thought that finally woke me up came when one of them said, Jerry, you're changing. What do you mean? I said, man, you're losing your sense of humor. Well, that did it. With only a few weeks left to school, I decided to quit letting it bother me. They wouldn't fire me at this point anyway. Just for curiosity, I decided to retest one of the students in the reading test I gave him three months ago. I didn't necessarily expect what had happened in the program to be reflected in the test results. So after I retested the first student, it became another game. Everyone wanted to be retested, so I gave them another form of the Gates reading survey, which had been used. Possibly for the first time, they were taking a test that was not being used to judge them, but to measure something. Three months ago, the average reading grade level of those who started the program with reading speed below grade level was 6.25. Their average reading level now was 8.14, almost two grades higher. According to this test, those students had been learning at more than six times the normal rate. Discovering that made me feel a little better. In some respects, I was too close to what was happening to see it clearly. For example, Mr. Whispersmile noticed that Superball Boy now walks through the halls with his head erect instead of looking at his feet. That's a better measurement than reading scores. Suddenly, there were only a few days left of regular classes. I talked with the superintendent, Mr. Distant, for the first time since I'd been hired. He gave me the federal forms to fill out once the final testing was completed. Soon we, we faced our last complete day before the re, uh, reading retesting. The day was beautiful and warm, certainly not a day to remain indoors. As I walked into the building in the morning, I was met by two of my students walking out. They greeted me, goodbye, and walked down the street as I watched mystified. Later, it had turned out that they simply decided the day was just too good to remain in school, so they left for the day of romping in the woods. <laughs> this would have meant that they would have missed our last regular class, but to my continuing surprise, they appeared just in time for the last two periods in order not to miss our last regular class. The final reading tests were given. Students continued to come to the room to help correct the tests and clean up. My responsibility for direct supervision of students was supposedly over, but of course it was not. They kept coming to the room, though they were supposed to be reporting to study halls. There was a mood of reflection. Some students came in who had not been in the program. One boy even submitted some of his poetry to our magazine. I hope to get another issue out. The boy who had been so, so disruptive just a few weeks ago came in during the last period. He was quiet and pensive. He asked to see the book I'd been writing, and as I read it, he glowed. He was sure it would be published, and asked if I would send him a copy. In the last faculty meeting, Mr. Sterner complained that the last few days had been too fun and gamish. He was upset about that. Then it was over. I couldn't bring myself to go to graduation. I shall never forget the last few days before graduation. 
They were supposed to be quiet, predictable. They were. That only deepened the tragedy. Finals began on Monday. Students filed in, ready to face their judgment. They only came for the tests, then left for the day. My room was closed and bare. For the most part, there was a deathly quiet in the school. Occasionally, I met some of my students in the hall. They didn't seem to be overly concerned. When I asked them how they were doing on the tests, they would answer directly, saying that they had done pretty well in this, bluffed their way through that, and really screwed up on another. This was another direct contrast to the faraway looks of most of the students I saw pass by. On Tuesday, there was a disturbance. Five students came into the finals with beer in their breaths. One seemed obviously drunk. To the teachers, this was incredible. To me, it seemed to indicate the pressure these students were acting under. Andrew Price was one of these students. He was a classic underachiever, if there can be such a thing. He scored high on some ability tests, but always had low grades. Nobody seemed able to reach him. He would have been in my program, except that there were a hundred more like him, and I had room for only 30. So I had taken as many ninth and 10th graders as I could. He was in the 11th. He passed the young teacher who noticed he'd been drinking. Please don't tell anyone, he begged. But teachers are on the other side. The teacher immediately told Mr. Avoidum, who suspended the boy from school thus causing automatic failure of the finals and therefore failure of all his classes for the quarter. Finals were going according to schedule. Everything else too, the scoring, the grading, and the awards assembly to reward further those who had succeeded in the system. That last day as I sat in the teacher's room, not one teacher mentioned it, although some knew about it, there wasn't even a terse announcement over the PA system. I had read about it in the newspaper. Sheffield student fatally shoots himself. Sheffield, an 18-year-old Cow Valley High School junior, shot and killed himself in the bedroom of his parents' home here Tuesday. State's attorney Philip Lang and said Andrew Price died instantly when he fired a 35 caliber rifle bullet into his skull. The death was ruled a suicide. His father, Charles Price, told State Police Sergeant Tom Berry his son had returned home earlier in the day and was despondent over the way school was going. They said he died instantly. If only it were so.